In this edition of the Norfolk Heritage Centre podcast, we join children's author Isabel King, who discusses her writing life and the challenges of building a creative career in conversation with me, Chris Tracy. There's no, there's no really kind of conventional route into writing, so um, I try to kind of encourage people from all different backgrounds and you know from all walks of life to get into writing because um, I think we're sometimes fed a narrative that you need to have studied writing as a as an academic um, mm. at an academic level, and um, that that's very relevant and it's it's very valuable. Um, but there are, there are many different ways to. Um, go into a, a creative topic mm. um, because creative writing is creative and yeah. like lots of different arts and ways of storytelling you can do it through um, writing through drama through illustrating and there's lots of different ways of making up stories really mm. so I think coming from an acting background was quite an interesting route into into doing it yeah, yeah. And you, you say you sort of had various different experiences with the, with the acting side you were I don't think you were a chicken or something. Is uh, that yes, right? No, that's the yeah, <laughs> I read that story. Um, yeah, so usually when I, I tell people that I was a, an actress, they, they would say, oh, that must have been so glamorous. So what a glamorous life you must have led in, in London. So, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just dispel that, that myth. Um, <laughs> so one of my, my first roles, actually, um, when I graduated drama college, so I, I trained with National Youth Theatre and I went to East 15 Acting School. And when I graduated... Um, I got a role in a children's production called uh, The Firebird, which if you don't know it is a, is a Russian fairy tale. Um, so it was a really lovely adaptation we did, kind of touring schools and children's theatres. And, uh, and there's this role in The Firebird of a, of a witch, so like a really horrible, grotesque old witch that's just, you know, the stuff of nightmares, really scary for children. And because it was children's theatre, it was larger than life as well, um, called Baba Yaga. And Baba Yaga, if you've never heard of the legend, she used to uh, live in a, in a house um, that walked on chicken's feet. And so she would live in this, this house on chicken's feet in a, in a dark forest and we played it so that the children could kind of hear a sort of boing, boing noise of, of the chicken feet kind of hopping along through the dark forest. It was all very scary. And usually when I tell that story, people assume that I must have played the horrible witch uh, Baba Yaga, um, but the actual role that I played was the house. So I, I played the, the house with, with chicken's feet. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I literally kind of wore this uh, wooden house that I had to carry and then kind of wore these yellow stockings and big chicken's feet. So yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a very fun and interesting way to start a career and um, quite, quite a bold way, I suppose, to, to, to start a creative career. Yeah, but I, I loved it. You know, there were all sorts really of good. interesting yeah. and bizarre things like that. So yeah. how, how long were you, were you acting for? Um, about seven years, yeah. Right, okay. Seven years I, I worked in, in theatre and between that I was working as a, a waitress as you do, um, in, a, in a pub in London. Right. Um, so I lived in South Ealing right. for quite a right. while. Right. Yeah. But the writing is something that's all been there, you know, yeah. since, you were, since you were young. Yeah, it was, it was very much an interest. I think because, because I've been acting for so long and because I've been working with children for so long, um, I mean, you're sort of dealing with texts anyway because I was always reading plays mm. and reading books and especially if you were acting in something historical, I mean, I'd have to go and read the, the historical text. So an interest in history and writing sort of very much went hand in hand with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe I'll talk about how I, 
How we then well, you started were brought, you, writing. You, you, you were brought up in Norfolk, is, is yes, that right? Yeah, but, but, yeah. But you were born in Norfolk? Or yeah, I was born, I was born right. in Norwich. Okay. Yeah, I was born in Norwich. Right. And I've got, I've got very fond memories of the museums, actually, right. when right. I was growing up. So um, Because they specifically are what inspired the, the second book, aren't they? The museums themselves. Each of the stories in, um, in the second book, Once Upon a Time in Norfolk, is inspired by a particular museum. Is that right? Yeah, so we've got um, the Castle Museum... Uh, Strangers Hall, and which I absolutely love. Has anyone been to Strangers mm. Hall? Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's it, it's literally it's like you've time travelled. It's like you've just stepped back into the Elizabethan era. Mm. I think they just they just um, all of all of the Norfolk museums are done so beautifully now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah and I, I remember when I was younger, the, the castle just being absolutely enormous I mean it is but you know <laughs> when you're when you're young it's it's just it, it was huge and it was um, uh, just just epic really so I think because they were just such vivid memories kind of embedded from childhood I think I'd always I'd always kind of had you were in Norwich really? yeah right okay because I think generations of, of Norfolk school children are grow up with going to school visits to the castle I mean I know yeah. I did yeah. yeah as you say you're sort of in, Really, you know, overpowered by the by the keep, and yeah. also, but also the um, you know the animals and the, the dioramas and the um, the birds. Terrified of the tiger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do we know the tiger? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you do think, oh, you know, perhaps they're gonna, you know, and these various refurbishments they have, and you think, no, don't touch. Yeah. Don't touch the birds <laughs> or the animals. Don't please. touch what's been there for so many years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, cool. So. You went off to London, you did some acting, yes. um, but the writing sort of ambition was kind of all sort of burning in the background a yeah, little bit. Yeah, so it was, it was very much in the background and um, I think this brings me on to kind of the, the creative career really and the, the opportunities and, and the challenges of, of wanting to have or pursuing a creative career because mm. there's only so much you can do. I mean with acting for example there's quite a lot of instability involved. You never really know when you're going to, to get a job so I always had to have a job in between such as waitressing um, to kind of see me through. Mm. So there's not really much time or well, there certainly wasn't for me for pursuing hobbies or you know other areas of interest. Um, and I think a lot of people find that anyway. I mean, you know, with your with a with a full time job or any job you have to do, there's not really much time to actually pursue things that interest you outside Absolutely. of work. Um, and uh, so, so when I was when I was waitressing, I. I kind of felt like, well, there, there must be other people in this position. There must be other people that maybe have an interest in writing. Maybe they didn't go to university or kind of come from an academic background because I, I didn't. Um, and, and a lot of it was confidence as well. I just didn't really have the confidence to think, oh, I can be a writer, mm. even though I was always writing. Um, so I thought there must there must be people in a in a similar position. Um, and this pub I was in was really lovely, and it was quite an arty kind of pub. And there was a nicer little section that we called the library with bookshelves. So I thought, well, it might be a nice idea to maybe host an event in here um, and uh, see if people want to come along, and maybe I'll get a guest author and do a little bit like what we're doing now. Mm. So I thought maybe if I can talk to someone who's actually is a professional writer you know and kind of ask them questions about how they got into writing um and i knew that i wanted to, i thought that might be a good way to learn about it and for other people as well mm. so um yes yeah, so i did i had a, a non-profit event in the pub and i um contacted a, a really wonderful author called uh, naomi wood 
Um, I don't, don't know if anyone knows Naomi, but she's uh, I got in touch with her on Twitter actually. Mm. Um, the magic of social media, you can kind of do some lots of free <laughs> advertising and getting in touch with people. Mm. Um, uh, she's the author of a um, really fantastic book called Mrs. Hemingway, which is a really good work of historical fiction. I definitely recommend giving it a read. Um, and she was very happy to come along and chat about writing. And uh, I was nervous as anything about doing the event because I'd never done anything like that before. I felt very responsible and I thought no one's going to turn up or be interested. Um, but actually quite a few people turned up. It was very popular. Naomi was wonderful. And I also, um, we had a little feedback session. So myself and some other kind of aspiring writers read extracts of their work. All these projects that you've been kind of working on at home and you're very nervous about sharing in public. So I thought maybe I could kind of create quite a, a supportive friendly environment to do that mm. and um, yeah she gave a little bit of feedback on them um, which was wonderful and, and very helpful so that's how I kind of started getting into writing really and that was the the first book talks back yeah books talk back, um, yeah um, which has gone on to be very successful and to, to have other events in different parts of the country is, is, oh is that yeah long? thank yeah. you so um yeah so I, I called that event uh, books talk back and um, yes, it's since gone on to be a kind of a regular thing. So mm. I've hosted a lot of different books talkback events. Um, I've done some in Norwich and I've done some in uh, Bristol as well and in London. And Naomi very kindly invited me to her book launch, which was at the British Library. Um, and that's how I got chatting to people at the British Library. And they took an interest in the event um, because uh, they thought it might kind of bring a new audience in, maybe from a more sort of grassroots level mm. um, so yes yeah, so I've done a few events at the British Library as well and had some wonderful authors come along to chat to um, Tracy Chevalier which was amazing for me because I'm so interested in historical fiction um, so yeah that's kind of through through learning about writing mm. in that way I, mm. I came to sort of do my own writing as well that's really interesting I think um, we'll, we'll talk a moment or two if, if, if it's okay with you about the, the specific the, um, the books and, the, and the, the influence the inspiration that you found in the, the event the, the items that you found I think initially in the um, in the collections yeah. um, <laughs> store Narnia store, uh, that yeah. the museum Narnia service nice has yeah. um, but, well, but, um, but I think it's a really interesting point it, it's, it's, a, it's a funny sort of atmosphere that we're in in the last sort of 10-15 years isn't it in terms mm. of becoming a writer or I a musician or anything mm. creative I mean I think that all the, the structures that have been there for you know I mean certainly sort of 40, 50, 60 years in terms mm. of you know you do your thing you show it to someone they do all the work in terms of publicity that's all changed hasn't it yeah very much and yeah, it's yeah. these opportunities that are opened up by social media or the internet and what have you yeah, it's absolutely. almost gone back to a sort of a a do-it-yourself kind yeah. of culture. I think there's a, there's a lot of benefit in doing it yourself and mm. of course um, you, you can do that these days but one thing that I've really learned is the importance of a plan and the importance of structure. Um, so I found that um, since I've um, kind of was able to d develop a plan and a strategy even if I, I sort of aimed in a certain direction and particularly with writing mm. um, you find you kind of go off in a completely different direction but it was good to have that goal in the first instance um, yeah I, sh I should mention about so about five years ago when I moved back to Norwich um, I went to the Prince's Trust 
um, which is they're such a wonderful charity and they support kind of uh, young people from all different sorts of backgrounds and they have a, an enterprise program um, so if you, if you know a young person with a business idea I'd, I'd really recommend that um, letting them know to get in touch because um, the Princess Trust were, were wonderful just in terms of giving a bit of support and uh, I've got like a four-day crash course in in business um, and from then I had a, a business mentor and I've had that business mentor for about four years and it's just someone to kind of bounce ideas off and um, and they don't interfere too much they just let you do your own thing mm. but give you a bit bit of guidance there if, if mm. you need it so it's mm. just like having a bit of a foundation mm. um, so that's how I set up kind of books to, to books talk back into my creative business in which mm. I now kind of help other writers get started in their careers right. as well and work with, with young people a lot um, so having a plan is never a bad idea absolutely. yeah absolutely absolutely but you need the inspiration as well and um, <laughs> so tell me I, I got the impression from the from the introduction um, to Norfolk Storybook that it, it was quite had a quite an impact on you this going to because you'd had a little bit of <coughs> I believe you did some work experience Mm. When you were younger, with the museum yeah, service, yeah, yeah. Um, and the castle was the kind of where you where you did that. But then you also did a bit of reenacting at Gresson Hall. Was that right? And yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, when I was when I was younger, um, I'd uh, yeah did my work experience at Norwich Castle, and it was very different then actually from from how it is now. But right. yeah, that's why I've got very kind of fond, vivid memories of it. So mm. it was wonderful to to go back and write about it. Mm. Um, so before then. Um, and this is how I kind of came about writing the Norfolk Storybook. And I always say it's a little bit of a, of a happy accident. Because um, when I moved back to Norwich, um, I went to visit uh, Gresson Hall. Does everyone know Gresson Hall? Yeah, yeah, so it's the Workhouse Museum um, in uh, Durham. And they had a museum there that I'd never been to before. There's like a little side museum just as you come in sort of through the car park. Um, called Norfolk Collection Centre. Has, has anyone been? Yeah. I, I think I'm aware of the building. I haven't had, to, had yeah. the good fortune to, to be, be yeah. welcomed in, but um, yeah, yeah. So I definitely recommend going. I think it's open in the summer, and you've got all these these objects in there, kind of relating to Norfolk history. So um, yeah, when I, when I went inside, I can literally kind of describe it as being a like a cabinet of curiosities. I mean, there were so many different random objects. You had a, a snapdragon, um, snapdragons like the ones you see in Norwich Castle. Uh, there was a, a mammoth tusk, um, which I just thought was incredible. I mean, it's a, it's this huge kind of tusk that was actually, you know, on a mammoth, and I couldn't believe there'd been a, a mammoth kind of roaming in Norfolk in prehistoric times. It's very strange to think about. Um, there is, that was the, a, is that the West Runton? Yeah, the West Runton right. mammoth, yeah. Um, a mustard stamper, uh, which would have been used in the uh, Coleman mustard factories. So yeah, and I'd, I'd always had an interest in history, and particularly Norfolk history, and I knew I wanted to write about it, and I, I think I just kind of found some, some inspiration that day, you know, and, and it was quite, it was quite peculiar in all, in all the best ways, mm. you know, they were very, they were very intriguing and unusual objects, so I thought, well, maybe I could write about these, so then each object was the inspiration for each story, mm. and initially I was writing for adults, um, right. so I've been working on some kind of adult historical fiction, and I started writing the story about the Snapdragon, and uh, something about it just wasn't quite working and then one day I just started
started to write it as a children's story um, and it just had a completely different feel to it and mm. something almost clicked into place and I, I think it's probably because all those years I spent doing children's theatre mm. um, wearing ridiculous costumes <laughs> and um, I'm glad that kind of all made sense and and worked in in the narrative in a way so yeah I think I think that sort of experience interwove into kind of what I was writing it just clicked into place and, and felt right and then I, mm. I kept writing them as, as children's stories and Fantastic. yeah I absolutely loved writing them Excellent. I think you know I mean certainly I'm very fortunate in the job I have working here with some of the fantastic things that you can see selection of at the pack but obviously we've got I should say now plug us we've got thousands and thousands of, of, of wonderful items in our store um, just a, a, a tiny drop in the ocean of which is, is on display at the back there but um, things do give off a a tangible, don't they? It's almost yeah, tangible absolutely. sort of vibration, and and it is extraordinary. I read in the introduction to, um, I can't remember which of, of, your, of your children's books it was, but you know, someone I believe said in the um, the castle punishment room about touch the walls and, and oh, imagine yes, yeah. how many people had, had, had touched those walls and what their lives must have been like. And, yeah. and that's exactly it, isn't it? That's the same thing, you know, whether you happen to be visiting or working in a museum, I think, or here or a library or it is that physical literal physical Absolutely. connection it's, it's the it's the people behind the objects really that's so fascinating mm. um and I, I think i think that relates to the the, the dungeon room at gresson hall um someone told me when i was younger and i visited just touch the wall and imagine how many people have been sitting here in this in this very dark room and it is it i think that's what really makes made an impression on me was kind of thinking about the, the people mm. involved um, and particularly with those objects at the collection centre um, I mean I learned that someone used to actually wear the snapdragon in the Norwich procession which yeah. happened in medieval times outside um, Norwich Cathedral and I just thought that was fascinating I mean it looks really heavy for one yeah. thing um, it was probably quite dangerous um, I mean it's the fact that this this tusk was actually belonged to a, to a mammoth and this mustard stamper would have been used by someone in a factory and when they were using it did they know it was going to end up in a museum and someone was going to see it and they were going to mm. write about it well no of course not because it was just part of their normal daily life and I, mm. I think that's what's so fascinating is kind mm. of finding the almost like the magic in in the mundane or finding what's yeah. um really unique about kind of Absolutely. ordinary things Absolutely. yeah and the work that you find yourself that you over the last few years that you've you've developed is 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 Obviously, is using that. I mean, I, I feel that you know. I mean, that's the big. I mean, that is the main sort of point of my job. Is that you know, I'm too. My 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 uh, criteria is to, is to make the collections work. Basically, yeah, you know, yeah. make sure that they're not just a load of books and prints and maps and things just sat out there going dust on the shelf, but they are used for you know education and for, for research and to inspire writers such as yourself and other other people, artists or whatever. Um, but. Um, I'm sure, I can see that you do feel the same as I do. That it's just incredibly exciting, isn't it? You can go in yeah. so many different directions and use these things for so many different purposes. And I just, I just wondered, you think, um, because I don't, I, you, you can get yourself, I think, in this sort of little bubble of just getting carried a bit carried away. Yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> um, do you think that there are some people who just don't get it? perhaps or just don't don't feel that kind of excitement or um, do you think you can sort of convert, convert everyone to because I mean I'm just sort of it's just sort of come out of the top of my head really but I do feel sometimes that you know you wonder 
can everyone be as interested <laughs> yeah. as, as those of us who are sort of work have the good fortune to work with these things? Yeah, d- definitely. I, yeah. I think you can if if you can make something um, almost relevant. I suppose, mm. I suppose to their their daily lives. It's what you do with it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what you've done with the with the stories. Obviously, trying to re- relate it to to children nowadays as much as as much as possible. And I know when I when I work with children in, in um, schools a lot as well and I find that um, particularly with the, the writing side of things um, when you kind of explaining the idea of historical fiction and pointing out there's things that we know and there's things that we don't know for example um, we know that uh, the mammoth would have met lots of other animals. Um, we know what sorts of animals they are. We don't know what type of personalities those animals had. And that's what you can make up and that's the story that you can create. And I think mm. that's where it becomes kind of exciting because now you as the author are in charge. You know, you are in control. You get to say what what kind of personalities and characters these animals had. And mm. I think that's the beauty of historical fiction is, is almost, yeah, if you can link it to, to filling in the gaps mm. um, of... Uh, of the history we don't know. No, absolutely. Um, you mentioned that it sort of clicked the the stat. I think it was the Snapdragon one that you, yeah. you you began as a as an adult story. But you you've you've done a little bit of sort of writing for adults as well. I mean, what what would you say is the difference? I mean, if people are starting out and are thinking about, oh, what should I write? What, what, how? I mean. What is is there a is there a sort of a particular sort of mindset you have to get yourself into? Do you think, or are there? I mean, obviously, a certain amount of simplification, presumably, but yeah. you mustn't, of course, you know, talk down to children. Yeah. You know, it's hard to get that. Balance, yeah, I think I a stretch is always a. It, kind of stretching up is always a, a good idea. I, I think um, if you're wondering what sort of thing to write, um, start with yourself. Start with what you would like to read mm. um, I think that's very important because no one can tell a story like you can tell a story um, I think think about the sort of story that you would like to tell a friend so if you were talking to someone and I don't know you had some really kind of juicy gossip that you wanted to tell them who would you want to tell and how would they want to listen to that story you know what sort of thing would your friend want to hear if they were listening to that story and I think the difference really between writing for adults and children, um, I suppose the main difference is is clarity. I think clarity in children's fiction is incredibly important. Um, with adult fiction, there is a lot of freedom to be a bit more ambiguous, um, to play around with structure and to play around with um, uh, different ideas and you know kind of the conventional plot. Mm. Um, and you can play around with that to a degree with children's fiction, but as long as you very clear I think I think I think mm. clarity is, is the most important thing mm, yeah absolutely uh, I work up in the, the the local studies department for about five or six years now but prior to that I worked quite a lot at the children's library I mean I don't know if you I know that you've worked in water zones previously yeah. as a, a bookseller and yeah. I don't know if you would agree but I think you know children's books in the last Ten years or so have just been fantastic, you know. Yeah, and so, absolutely. You know, yeah. writers have been, just been incredibly imaginative, and there are some wonderful, wonderful um, books, um, as well as seemingly sort of lots of people seem to write children's books who seem to have become famous in other areas. <laughs> it, it seems almost, yeah. you know, when when I go downstairs and see what the new books are in, it seems oh goodness me, they've, they've written a children's book now as well. And I don't know how you <laughs> how you would feel about that being a sort of a you know pursuing that as a sort of a 
your particular field, but I mean, I think. Yeah. You, do you feel sort of more the merrier kind of thing, or? Well, I, yeah, I think much, I think uh, it's wonderful. I think yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think I think the more writers we have, um, the better, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I worked in um, the Waterstones in Norwich for about two years. So that's after I was acting, and I kind of moved back to Norwich, and then a few things happened. So at the same time as that, I was exploring how to develop books took back into a business with the Prince's Trust and I just tentatively started writing the Norfolk storybook and of course when you start writing you don't think necessarily that anyone's going to going to read it um, and yeah at the same time I was working in this bookshop which was incredibly helpful um, because I learned kind of the the commercial side of, of selling books but also talking to customers and talking to people and um, knowing what um, kind of learning what people are interested in, and there's a real interest in in local history here as well, which is mm. which is really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We were having a staff meeting a, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about trying to promote the lending collection more, and particularly to, to young people, because obviously, as part of the county council, that's one of the sort of core things we, we try to support sort of young youngsters reading and learning. Obviously, as we always have done, um, but become more more important in the last few years. Um, and it struck us. I don't. I mean, I don't know. But obviously, we've got your your wonderful examples. But there, there seems to be an obvious gap in the market, isn't there? For for like, perhaps not fiction so much, but young, good local history books aimed at younger, not necessarily very young children, mm-hmm. but. I don't know how, what you think about this. I mean, I might not be looking in the right places. Lo- local but history for children. Yes, or non-fiction, perhaps. You know that. Yes. It just yes. seems that there aren't many things that look that look attractive. I mean, there obviously there are history textbooks, which presumably still, but there aren't, you know, attractive sort of gift type, you know, mm. reading for pleasure type local history books. Yeah, I mean. well, it's it's a good point because I did actually notice when I was working at Waterstones there wasn't much um, local history. For children, no. not too much, which is partly why I wrote these as well. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I might be no, filling that gap. Up a you are filling that gap, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, no, it's. I think the local is. I mean, I know Rachel who, who buys the local history books for us. Mm. You know, sort of now and again, sort of just wanders out to, to Gerald's and, uh, and the book hive and what have you. And I think the quality of local books has is noticeably improved, just in terms of presentation, really apart from anything else. Because uh, yeah. you know, I think it's been a we're very lucky we've got these bookshops in mm. Norwich as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, Waterstones, Daryl, Bookhive, City Books, and they're, they're very supportive of local authors, and um, and I think I think they're sort of the heart and soul of the of the city in mm. a way. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. Was, um, so you've talked, spoken about your, the, the, the inspiration of, of Norfolk history and uh, sort of the, the importance of having a plan and, and the support that you had from the Prince's Trust and all that sort of thing, but... I'm sure a, a lot of people who are thinking about trying to become a writer, and let's, you know, there are lots of them in Norwich. Um, how do you, you know, your personal sort of routine? I mean, are you one of these people who has to have 500 words done by breakfast time, or do you sort of work late into the night, or what's, what's your sort of person? How do you keep yourself motivated personally in terms yeah. of actually getting things down on the page? Well, just personally, um, if I'm writing a book, I tend to work quite early in the morning. Um, which I should say I don't particularly enjoy um, but I know that if I do it then I've done it and I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day so sometimes I'll get up quite horribly early Mm. and when I finish the book um, that habit is dropped quite quickly (laughs) (laughs) and I no longer get up at a 6am or or earlier Um, but just just for me I find that very very helpful because my brain is quite fresh in the morning and I can get a cup of 
to your coffee and just not think about it too much I think um for me and that's why also having a plan is quite useful because it's like stick to the list stick to the list don't think about it too much don't worry about it too much and right, I'm right. quite inclined to sort of think and worry quite a lot so that can that can sometimes be a distraction so yeah for yeah. me I find the morning very helpful I heard something on the radio the other day I don't know if it was uh, on a, a radio full program but um someone said about doing sort of almost um, it might have been Kate Atkinson actually so the idea of some part of your brain gets activated when you're sort of not conscious when you're perhaps tidying some drawers or <laughs> yeah. you know doing some quite when you sort go to the mundane yeah. yeah you'll come up with a brilliant idea and you won't have your notebook on you and that'll be very annoying yeah but that's when, when you're relaxed yeah. basically yeah and also that morning time I think that morning time when you've just woken up and yeah, lots of weird and wonderful yeah. things can occur to you at that time of yeah. day and, and also because I was working full-time when I was writing it so sometimes um, it just kind of gives you the, the motivation to think right I've got to get up early otherwise it's just not going to get done <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah brilliant okay well are there any sort of what, what, what's currently on the go Isabel I mean, are you allowed to tell us or is yes you, yeah <laughs> there's no embargo or, or yeah no no um, yeah so I, I've got a, a third book coming out in um, May which is inspired by uh, the collections at Norfolk Heritage Centre, um, which are amazing. I'm in the, uh, the they've got a, an archive room. It's it's really cool. You can um, press buttons and literally move the bookshelves around. I kind of say it's like Hogwarts because you get these kind of moving <laughs> bookshelves and to sort of reveal all these really ancient texts. So yeah. Um, and uh, that's got a theatrical theme because I found that we've got a lot of a lot of objects. In, in the Heritage Centre archives are, mm. relate to um, theatre, which I thought was really fascinating. But then, of course, we've got you know the Theatre Royal, and um, we have the uh, Fairground Entertainment History and King's Lynn, and so I thought that would be quite appealing for children. Um, so I've got this third children's book that's coming out this May. It's called Once Upon a Street, Norfolk Stories for Fantastic. Children. Excellent, excellent. Well, I've got one or two theatrical-related um, uh, uh, items. Um, out the, out the back there for, for people to have a, a, a quick look at. Um, that's fantastic, Isabel. Thank you ever so much. Is anyone like, any questions at all? Any budding writing, writers or yes, yes, sir? Do, do, do you get letters from readers, children? Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, um, I um, I do get emails sometimes, which is absolutely lovely. It's so heartwarming to know. Um, firstly, that you have a book that's kind of in a family home that's that's just a really nice feeling um, but also it usually kind of well hopefully inspires children to write their own stories so I, I usually find that children want to tell me about what they've written and that's really lovely um, and working in, in schools a lot it's just nice to to see children kind of getting into reading and writing more and knowing that that's something that that they can do um, so yeah it's a, um, yeah, they do, they do tell me sometimes they've written their own books. I had, I had a little boy once come to um, uh, Gresson Hall. I was doing an event there, and he'd written a book about a dragon um, that he wanted to show me, and that, that was just that was just lovely. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that was really brilliant. nice. Anything else? Oh, yes. Oh yes, um, so I um, once I'd finished writing the Norfolk Storybook, um, there's a book called the Writers and Artists Yearbook and they produce it every year and you can buy a copy in any bookshop or online and then um, 
well for, for me I just uh, went quite instinctively actually with the publisher that I felt would best like the book so um, my publisher's the History Press and they publish local history so I thought they would be interested in this um, but if you yourself was looking for a publisher um, I would recommend going through the Writers and Artists yearbook looking at the different publishers websites and their submission guidelines and then kind of following what you think would be would be right for the book mm. yeah I think that's the best way best way to do it I hope it's not a rude question, but did you get rejected a fair bit before? Because there's all these apocryphal stories about all these wonderful yeah, writers who yeah, pin yeah. all their rejections before they, you know, yeah. anyway. Well, bit. firstly, I think rejection is really important. It's actually very, very helpful. Um, I know it can feel quite horrible at the time, but um, mm. having worked in acting, um, I've had a lot of <laughs> kind of rejections <laughs> through an acting career, probably more than I can remember. Um, so I think one of the challenges really is kind of getting getting through rejections and knowing that it's not personal. You, you know, you just have to keep going. But also, it's a really useful indication of feedback and what you need to change and kind of what you need to work on. Mm. So um, yeah, I'd say rejections is just part of the process. Um, for the Norfolk Storybook, actually, I. Um, the, the first publisher I went to took it on, um, which which was wonderful. Um, but obviously, I come from a background of kind of rejection. You paid your dues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I paid my dues. Yeah, yeah. So it was not, it was quite it was quite nice to have a, a, a smooth process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. And finally, do you have any? any I think I asked you this before Christmas, but personally, I'm quite interested in work, having worked in a library for many years and and not had the experience of working in. In, in, in private sector in bookshops what, what what was the experience of working with Waterstones like I mean you found that quite helpful yeah, I found it incredibly helpful yeah, yeah it was was wonderful I'd, I mean I think if you want to write go to lots of bookshops Absolutely. Um, I mean it's just a great excuse to, to look at books really but I learned so much and I, I read so many books I think reading is just the best thing you can do and also I, I met lots of really lovely people mm. um, lots of Kind of writers and illustrators and creative people work at um, working in bookshops. Mm. Um, so uh, it's just it was just a wonderful way of, mm. of meeting people. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, good. good experience. Thank you very much. Thank you. I yeah, think you deserve a round of applause.